Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning, Ginghamsburg Church. Good morning. I'd like to welcome those worshiping online this morning and those in person. For those who are new, my name is Dennis Miller. I'm the senior pastor of the church, and I'm just grateful that you're here. And I'm super excited about this teaching series that we started last week, Climbing Out of the Red, where we're looking at God teaching us how to be good stewards in God's kingdom. We want to be masters of money and not be mastered by it. And through biblical teaching, we are looking how to apply God's truth that are eternal into our very life. The truth is that God is concerned about our eternal destiny, yes, but also Monday morning. And so today we're going to get very practical, looking at God's word. I'm going to encourage you to take a lot of notes, at least mentally, maybe write some things down. If you're on at home, you may want to type some of these things in, write these things down as we continue on this journey together to financial freedom. A South Florida newspaper columnist once observed, there are different kinds of people in this world. There are dog people and there are cat people. There are mountain people and there are beach people. I'm just curious, by a show of hands, how many are mountain people? You just love to go to the mountains, okay? A few. How many beach people? All right, a lot more here at Gingsburg Church, okay? There are morning people and there are evening people. There are coffee people and there are tea people. There are figure skating people and there are hockey people. There are breakfast people and then there are those who don't know what breakfast is. I think there's someone in the room that wants some breakfast right now, amen? (laughs) There are bluegrass music fans and then there are the rest of us. (laughs) And this columnist went on to talk about the differences between people. The same can be applied to how we handle money. There are credit card people and there are cash people. There are big tippers and then there are stingy tippers. There are online shoppers. Anybody going to do all their holiday shopping online? And then there are the Green Town Center shoppers who just love hanging out and making a a day of it, right? There are people who pay the credit card off, the balance every single month, and then there are those who just pay the minimum amount and let it continue on until they finally just give up and take out new cards. And then there are people who have stock brokers and then those who are perfectly capable of going broke on their own kind of people. Hey, no, don't, don't blame me. I, I don't write these things. I just read them. All right. But this guy goes on to talk about different kinds of people. The truth is that all of us have been raised in different homes by parents who looked at money differently than other parents. And so we have been raised in a certain way. We are products of our past, good or bad. We've learned from a young age, how to handle money. Perhaps when we finally got out on our own, our own independence, perhaps our college days, we began to 
spending a little bit more money, perhaps when we got a credit card. And so we've learned certain patterns and hopefully we're continuing to learn because money is neither good nor bad. It's the root of all money, the love of money, the love of it, the lust of it, that's the root of all evil. But, but money itself is, is not a bad thing, it's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's something that all of us need in this age in which we live to, to get food, to buy clothes, to have shelter, right? And so we all need it and we all use it on a regular basis. So since it's something that common, I want to know what God has to say because I believe that God has the best for my life. What about you? And so I want to apply God's truth to my life that I might fully live into all the Lord wants me to be and us together. And so that's why I'm super excited about this sermon. I'm going to get very practical, some practical tips today. All of us, even if we've heard messages like this, we can hear them again because we're all in this together. We're all on a journey. And I hopefully we can apply the relevant word of God to our lives. I'm going to give you a lot of Psalms, a lot of Proverbs. What are the Proverbs? Words of wisdom in the Old Testament from King Solomon. And we're going to wrap this whole thing in a very familiar story one of the most beloved stories of all the Bible, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Some of you may note that I preached on the prodigal son about three months ago. If you want to go back into our demand channel, you can check it out where the lost are found. It's, it's under our series, Welcome Home, and get that teaching. But I want to go into a different direction today regarding this story. I want to look at at it through a new set of eyes, and I want to see how this young man got into financial trouble and how it illustrates that we can as well. Let me give you, if you're taking notes, four critical financial mistakes that will quickly bring you to financial ruin, okay? Number one, the first thing that can trigger financial ruin is instant gratification, Instant gratification. Let's look at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your inheritance now instead of waiting until you die. Friends, this story represents the incredible grace of a father and the greed of a son. If you know anything about first century culture, you know this was the ultimate insult for a person to do, to ask for inheritance in advance. Basically, this young man was saying, as far as I'm concerned, dad, you're dead to me. And I want is what's coming to me, and I don't want to wait. I want it now. I'm tired of living on the family farm. Now, this story illustrates the incredible grace of the father because he loved his son enough to let him go. <laughs> but he also, at the end of the story, when he came back, didn't say, see, I told you so. Instead, he forgave him and he welcomed him home. But for this message and the purpose of it, let's look at the son. It illustrates the younger son's desire for instant gratification. He had this belief that he just would get the inheritance that he'd be happy, that he would be fulfilled. As I mentioned last week, the never-ending quest for it. He was looking for it. 
He should have listened to Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus said, beware. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. True riches are found somewhere else. But how many of us, honestly, have fallen for the lie that if we just have this thing, we have it now, we're going to be happy? How many have ever have impulse bought something, right? And then after you bought it, kind of all the thrill wore off and you didn't really want it anymore. You realized you didn't need it, but you're still making payments on it. Instant gratification happens all the time. Let me give you a couple examples here. So let's say a young guy, he just graduates from college and he gets his first real job out of college. And he's been driving his parents' 2007 Toyota Camry with 143,000 miles on it. I mean, the thing doesn't really look good. It does run. It gets him from basically point A to point B. It's been a reliable jalopy, but he, he, he's, he's made it with this car. And so he says, you know, it's a time to get a new car. I got a new job. I've been saving some money. And so he starts looking around at the advertisements in the paper at dealerships. And he finally finds the perfect car for him. And he likes the car. It's a 2018 Honda Accord. Good car. Still looks good. Single owner. Has about 18,000 miles on it. Four years. Very low mileage. It was owned by an older couple that basically just used it to go to the grocery store and around town and church and other places and had a really clean record. And so he said, this is the car. It won't bankrupt me. I've, I've got enough money. I can afford this car. And he's on his way to the dealership and he starts thinking, is this really the car? He gets to the dealership and he looks around the new car showroom and there it is. He sees his dream car. It's a 2023 Lexus LC 500 candy apple red convertible. He says, wow, isn't that something? And he starts to daydream. He sees himself driving in that convertible on a perfect weather day through the Rocky Mountains. He's got the rooftop down. He's got a beautiful model at his side. He says, this is life. And he starts thinking. His wheels are turning. He says, you know, if I just wear the same pair of jeans for the next three years, and if, if I don't eat for the next 60 months, I think I can do it. And he, sells, he says to the salesperson, do you think I can do it? Wrong person asks. Oh, yes, I think you can. Because you see, we're going to work a deal. And I'm going to talk to my supervisor. And I'm going to make him, because I'm good at talking to him. And we'll work this out. And agree. And so he gets out his calculator and he starts figuring it out. And he says, see, you can do it. If you just make payments for the next 96 months, you can do it in your budget. And he says, wow, you think I can? Oh, yes, you can. And it's a deal. He, he buys the car. He's so excited. He's got that new car smell. He's taking it all of his friends. They all love it too. They're saying, wow. And this looks good for about six months, nine months. But, you know, after about nine months, I mean, he still likes the car. But now that McDonald's wrapper is rolling around the floorboard. That new car smell is over. He's got a payment book as thick as the Bible, at least digitally. And he's broke. He impulse bought that car. Have you ever been there? 
You're laughing because, well, maybe it's not been a car. How many of you have a, a Bowflex or a treadmill in your basement? You've used it five times in the last three years. But, but when you were watching that infomercial, you know, right? You just knew that you were going to have toned abs. You know, maturity is the ability to postpone pleasure. Nothing wrong with having those nice things. But if you don't have the money to take time to postpone pleasure, King Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 11.4. A thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart, but a principal life can stand up to the worst. Infant gratification. The second thing is self-destructive behavior. And this kid, oh, he had all that. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse 13. Not long after that, the young son got together all that he had and set out for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. He just wasted it in, in prodigal living, in, in wild living. You see, sin is costly. It may feel good for the moment, but then it vanishes away. And we see that with this young man. He, he wasted all of his money. We learn this later on in the story from the older brother on prostitutes on while living. Think about the pornography industry and the millions and the billions it makes on people's lives that it ruins. Think about how much we squander today in, in, in drinking and in alcoholism. I have some of that in my family from, from the past from my extended family, and I think about the brokenness over the years in those families and the loss of jobs because of that addiction. Think about those who have a $200 to $300 a day drug habit and the minds that are wasted in that. How much is lost annually in Vegas? Now, Vegas is a nice town in itself. Don't wanna say anything bad about Vegas. Anybody here been to Vegas? You can, I have been there nearly a dozen times with uh, one with my, my Troy Cress's father sitting right over here, but I've never lost any money. Your pastor actually, honestly, has never lost any money in Vegas, at least gambling, amen? That's because I've never gambled in Vegas. <laughs> I've been riding motorcycles in Death Valley in Vegas and other places. But do you know this? Here's a truth about that beautiful skyline out there. Vegas wasn't built on winners. Well, think about that. It wasn't built on winners. It thrives off of losers. $6 billion, billion, are lost annually just in Vegas alone. Your odds, of course, of hitting the jackpot are not in your favor. Did you know that the average American spends over $1,000 in lottery tickets? That's almost twice as much as those who give in charitable giving. The prodigal son should have memorized Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21. Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row, the Bible says, in a stupor and dressed in rags. Self-destructive behavior. The third thing that will bring you to financial ruin very quickly is spending more than you've got. It seems really simple. This is something we need to teach our young people, parents. This is something we need to teach our grandchildren, don't spend more than you got. But we live in a culture that thrives on that. We're taught that. But for many of us, if we're old enough to think back, we can remember hearing from our grandparents or great parents, they didn't do this. They lived by the principle you would only buy something when? When you had enough money for it. You'd save 
in the piggy bank. It's before a lot of the lines of credit that we have now. And then you would save something up and then you would finally, if you're able to spend and live within your means. Psalm 37 verse 21, evil men, evil women borrow and cannot pay it back. But the good man, the good woman returns what he owes with some extra besides. We need to live within our means. Finally, this, being unprepared for the storms of life. That's what happened to this man in the story. Luke chapter 15, verse 14. After he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all throughout that country and he began to feel it. Now he wasted all of his money on wild living and then what happened? He's broke, but then something happened he didn't expect. A famine hit that absolutely wiped him out. See, we need to put something aside. I'm not talking about hoarding. I'm talking about savings, a little emergency fund, because storms do come. Do you know that's cultural? The, I just recently read this. The average Japanese family saves 25% of their annual income. Every year they put 25%. That seems unreal, doesn't it? Who would do that? And yet in that culture, that's how they do it. The average European family saves about 18% of their annual income. Newsweek magazine recently reported that now the average American family is in the negative category. Let's all read together. We'll make sure you're awake. Let's all read together Proverbs chapter 21, 20, so I don't feel all alone here. Would you read this with me? Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. A wise man saves for the future. See, there are so many things in life that you can't predict, right? Emergencies happen. Car accidents happen. Emergency room visits happen. I mean, that's, it's a surprise. It's an emergency room. You, you don't plan it out. And yet they happen. And if our deductible's high, then how are we going to pay for all of this? We have to have a plan before it happens. Our microwave goes out. Our dishwasher go, goes out. We didn't plan on that. Refrigerator goes out. We've got to make that payment as well. Or we find out that our elderly parents are going to move in to our house. And so that's going to be some extra cost that wasn't in the five-year goal-setting plan, right? So again, we're not talking about hoarding. We're talking about saving for those days that will come. You say, Pastor Dennis, I... I here are those four things that brought this young man to financial ruin. But so what? Give me some practical advice. You said that God's word is relevant to my life today. The church is good at pointing out problems this world. But tell me how to climb out of the money pit. How to climb out of the red into the black. Well, I'm glad you ask. Let's look at four quick things today. This is a very simple message because I'm a simple person. I'm going to give you... Three points, act, A-C-T. And even though that we're going over a very simple plan, I wanna encourage you to perhaps begin to pray now that we are offering a, a large class that will start in January called Financial Peace. We've offered it many times. It's led by a financial planner named Dave Ramsey. And we're gonna be offering that in January. Once again, we've had many people in this church go through that course 
and find financial freedom. And if God is calling you to do that, I want you to write that down. If you're at home and you're hearing this message today or maybe weeks later, know that we are going to be having this course coming up after the holidays. But let me give you right now three things to do. Number one is this, acknowledge the reality of where you are. The son was so hungry, he came to his senses. He said, wait a minute, my father's servants are eating better than I am. I will go home. He acknowledged he was in trouble. And we need to come to our senses. We need to acknowledge that consumer debt is bondage to us. That's what the scripture says. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, 8, bar is slave to the lender. So the first thing you have to do is to say, I don't want to be a slave. Jesus called me to be free. And I want to break out of this. Because what debt does, especially consumer debt, there are, there are certain debts that can be an investment, like a mortgage, if it's managed well. But just general living, consumer debt, it's bondage. It takes away the joy because you can't enjoy your life. You, you go on a vacation. You're down in Florida. Instead of enjoying your vacation, you're worrying about everything people are ordering in the family because you're thinking, how am I going to pay for this later? Instead of perhaps putting a little back and then enjoying it in the moment. Or uh, Christmas can be a downer because you're not really enjoying Christmas and the presents with the kids because you're worrying about January's bills and having a Christmas debt hangover. How are you going to pay for this? So acknowledge what it is. It's slavery. Number two, C, create a plan for attack. Even today, begin to think about a plan, putting a plan together, declaring war on your indebtedness. Proverbs chapter 21, verse five says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to prosperity. It's gonna take work. It's gonna take a plan. It's just not gonna happen but you can do it. Let me give you four quick baby steps. Now, these are not a have to. These are a get to. Please know that in this church, we don't ask anyone to check their brains at the door. God's given you a mind. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what you could do. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to be a cheerleader. I'm learning myself. I have financial planners as well. But here is a, a thing you can do. Four quick baby steps that perhaps could help you gain financial freedom. Number one, step one, say no more debt. If you're going to dig out from an avalanche of snow, you don't pray for more snow. You don't bring on more snow. So there comes a point where you just gotta say enough is enough. Maybe some of you need to do a little plastic surgery, you need to cut up some credit cards. You got 10 credit cards. And maybe you need to reduce that to about two that you use on everyday basis just for living. But all these extra accounts, stop it. When you go to Macy's or Kohl's and they give you that tempting offer, you know, you can save another 15% if you just take out a credit card with us. <laughs> no, no, no. I always say thank you, ma'am, or thank you, sir, but I've got enough credit cards. But I appreciate you asking. I appreciate your work today, but no more. Say no. Second step is this. Look for optional expenses that can be eliminated. The word is optional. Again, this is not a have to. This is a get to. But do an inventory of needs versus wants. And I'm saying not for eternity, not for life, 
just for a season. This is the season that you're maximizing your energy in order to reduce this debt. And so, so for a season, I'm going to separate my needs and my want, my needs, things I, basic things I, I have to do, I'm obligated to do, to live, to eat, to have shelter, perhaps your mortgage, you, you're in this situation, you've got to pay at least the, the, the main payment, okay? But then begin to look at, but what are those extras that I enjoy? Could it be that I don't eat out every other day, but I eat more at home? Or maybe I go out and it's once a week or once a month instead of on a more regular basis and save some money there. Look at all the extra expenses that we really don't have to have. We really don't need that brand new iPhone, but we may like it, but hold on it for a while. Perhaps all those app charges that you have, multiple TV networks and listings that we have, right? I mean, how, how many are offered today? But it's only $4.95 for the next step. Well, maybe this is a season where you say, I'm gonna do other things. How many here have enough clothing in their closets to actually you could survive for a year. So maybe you say this year may be the year that I just wait. Buying extra things for your kids, that's always important, but perhaps you're in a season where you can also teach them a life lesson to say, I hear what you need, but let's put a plan together. I mentioned last week, and you can watch that teaching, where I came to my dad at 13 years old and said, I want a motorbike just like my neighbor. He was very wise. He didn't just say no. He said, well, maybe. But he said, you need to get a job. And so I got a little job. And it taught me responsibility. It taught me a little bit about money management. It taught me um, the importance of saving. And some of those early things that I learned from my parents on financial planning still help me today. So look for optional expenses that can be reduced, those wants versus needs. And then, step three, start paying off your debt. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm not a financial planner, but I have listened to financial planners, and many will say a good word of advice is to start maximizing on smaller debts first. Because if you look at the whole thing, if you're in major debt and you say it's overwhelming, how can I get out of this avalanche? Start with just one account and start maximizing to pay that off. Because if you pay it off, the smallest first, you get a little victory and you put it aside. Then you go to the next one. And often those small accounts have higher interest rates. And so you can feel yourself moving somewhere. Now, also, if you're married, you need to sit down and you need to work this out with your spouse. This needs to be a team effort. If one person is trying to get out of the avalanche of debt, but the other is not much caring about it, you're going to have problems. A Gallup poll indicates that 65% of all married couples argue over money. I have to admit, Rachel and I have had over the years some very intense moments of Christian fellowship <laughs> <laughs> over money. 
And what's scary about that is that 54% of marriages that end in divorce do so over this issue. Some are even changing the vows to read till debt do us part. That's bad, I know. But don't blame each other. Just say, hey, we're in this together. Let's allow God to help us get things under control. And finally this, A-C-T. Time is important. Do it now. Proverbs chapter six, verse 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like abandoned, like a thief. Do you know what AA says is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, thinking this time you're going to get different results. No, if you always do what you've done, you'll always get what you got. If you want change in your life, you say, I'm tired of living in the bondage of death. Down in the pit of red, I want to climb out. You've got to do something different. You've got to change. The good news is you don't do it alone, that God is with you. Several years ago, it's been almost 20 now, I was preaching a message like this in Piqua on debt, financial freedom, mastering your money or allowing money to master you. And I'll never forget this. I forget a lot about that, but I, re- I do remember this. I remember afterward, a couple came down to the front and we were praying. It was kind of a consecration time. They were praying, please pray for me, Pastor Dennis, for uh, the next so months. We, we know that we need to get this monster under control. And, and uh, we prayed right there. And we prayed that God would bring the right people into their lives and They would find financial freedom. And then we moved on to other sermon series. I'm not sure what time of year it was. Maybe it was the holidays. And you kind of forget about those things. But I'll never forget, it was about a year later, this couple came to me. And they said, Pastor, do you remember about a year ago, you taught on debt. You talked about freedom. And they said, I just want to thank you, Pastor, for being faithful to God's holy word that we responded to God's call upon our lives just about a year ago. We met with a financial counselor. We started to really work on these areas. And today, regarding consumer debt, pastor, we are financially free, hallelujah. Now that's a true story here in the Miami Valley. The reason I tell you that, not just to talk about the past. Here's why I tell you that story. Because that story, a year from now, in the fall of 2023, can be your story. It can be your story if you start today, if you start to apply these principles to your life. Now, I want to say something that'll bring any audience to life and wake them up. Are you ready? In conclusion. (laughs) Some of you are watching your talk. Pastor's going a little long this week. He didn't give us a sermonette this morning. Oh, I've got a lot more to say, but you can't handle it today. We gather here today because you know the greatest debt, your debt of sin was paid for. And Jesus Christ 
walked up a hill. He stretched his arms out between heaven and hell. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Your death for all of eternity. But the free gift of God is given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And today, God takes your debt, your sin, and by faith, through your response and your repentance, he says, debt no more. Just like the father, when he saw his son coming up over the horizon, he opened his arms, he ran to him, and he said, welcome home. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.